We give you praise, God, this morning for the power of your word and what you're about to do in our hearts, what you've already done. We give you thanks for the presence of the Spirit here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. It was just like any other morning. The sun came up just like it has done this morning. Not all that warm, but it will get warmer. Pleasant and... So this man got up out of his bed in the morning that morning and had his breakfast. And after he had his breakfast, he had a devotional time with the Lord. Just began to pray and call upon his name. And just began to speak to the Lord. And then he began to start his day. So maybe he took a walk to work. And on along his journey to work, maybe he saw someone. Hi, nice to see you. What's your name? And he maybe met someone new. Maybe met someone old. So his day began. Sorry, that was from the Lord. (laughs) So his day began, and it was just like any other day. Nothing too exceptional, just like maybe your day has begun this morning. But all of a sudden, at some point, at some time during that day, suddenly God took Enoch. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your reward. Surprised you, didn't I? <laughs> Expect to knock that door. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. There isn't anyone here this morning that would not desire to hear those words said to you from the Lord. At some point, God would speak to you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your reward. You see, at the end of our life, you want to have God's pat upon your back. You want to hear God say to you, oh, you did well. You ran well. You fought some fights and, yeah, there were some difficult fights, but you fought them and you won. You kept on. You defended your faith. You let your light shine. You shared your faith. You had your spiritual act together. All of us here this morning long someday to have God pat us on the back and say, well done. You did great. Last Sunday, I mentioned our to you regarding the suddenlies of God. I just love those suddenlies of the Lord. Now, I want to be honest with you today. Sunday, January the 1st. It was a very, very... Well, as I was thinking ahead and planning ahead for Sunday, January the 1st, I remember thinking, not many are going to come on that Sunday morning. I remember remember thinking, people are going to be up late. And I said to you that there was pressure put on me because I, I wanted to do my best that Sunday morning. I'll be honest with you, as I came to church on January the 1st, I didn't expect too much. Not many will be here. And those that do come will be tired. And I may put them asleep. But I just didn't come with great high expectations. And that was a Sunday morning that I spoke on getting a philosophy for your life. 
And I studied hard that week. And God moved by his Holy Spirit in a way that I had not planned or in a way that I had not expected. I was impacted, and so were many others. And as I went home, I found myself saying, Wow, God, thank you for this suddenly this morning. I mean, I was glad to be in church, and I wanted to go, but I just didn't go with great high expectation. And you came through, and you marvelously touched lives and hearts. And so this message this morning is kind of a follow-up to that message on January the 1st. Just who are you? What are you all about? How are you living? What should your goals in life be? This is a brand new year. January is kickoff year. January is the time to get your act together if you found yourself slipping this past year. Who are you? What's most important to you as you approach and enter this brand new year? Well, over and over in the Bible, the word walk. It has to do with lifestyle. Now, the Bible says these words, walk in a way that's worthy of the calling you have received. He whose walk is blameless. He does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Another scripture, I will walk in your truth. Walk according to the law of the Lord. Another scripture, I will walk in the way of righteousness. He whose walk is upright. This is the way, walk in it. They will walk and not be faint. But if we walk in the light, and then another one, walk in love. Walk in obedience to the command of God. Walk. It's a lifestyle. God says, this is the way I want you to conduct your life. What did Jesus say to the man who's laying on the mat for 38 years? John chapter 5 and verse 8. He said, pick up your mat and walk. I thought about that scripture. Walk. He said, walk out your life. He said, walk in your brand new healing. Walk in your new experience. Walk in your newfound freedom. Move on and live this life out fully to the glory of God. You now have a testimony of the healing power of God. Walk in it. Why did Jesus say, Pick up your mat instead of leave your mat. Anyone know? Neither do I. Just thought I'd ask. But maybe, maybe, maybe he said, pick up your mat because he said, I want you to go. I want you to tack that up on the wall. I want that to be a testimony. I want you to see that mat. And every time you see that mat, I want you to see the power. I want you to remember the glory of Jesus, what I've done in your life. I've healed you, and don't ever forget it. Let it be something, an experience, or let it be a, like a plaque on the wall that will motivate you to continue your walk in Jesus. You're a conqueror. Keep living for Jesus. Move on, Hank Snow, the singing ranger. I often talk about Hank because my father loved to hear him sing. And also, he's from the Maritimes, good old Maritimes. But his first hit song was, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. In fact, my father told me one time that if he never had that hit song, they were going to remove him from the Grand Opry lineup. But he got this hit just in time. I'm moving on. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I checked out a little bit more about Hank Snow, listened to some of his music just because it reminds me of my father. 
And I found, he passed away a few years ago, Hank Snow. On his gravestone, here are the words, still moving on. Still moving on. Now, I don't know if he went to be with Jesus or not. My father wrote him lots of letters and shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ to him many times. But he said, I'm still moving on. And folks, we need to still keep moving on. Not rest, not stop, but continue the journey in this Christian life. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 is my text this morning. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Verse 22, and after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Verse 24, Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. There was Enoch. Suddenly, he was no more. He was gone. No one knows how he took him. But it's such an intriguing passage. Enoch did not leave this world in the normal way. Now, we often hear people say that you'll never get out of this world alive. You've got to die first. That didn't apply to Enoch. He broke that rule. Do you ever wonder how God took him? I often wonder myself, how, Lord, did you take him? Now, Elijah, we kind of have an idea. When I think of Elijah taking off to be with Jesus, the Bible says he was gone in a whirlwind. So I just picture Elijah being in a whirlwind, getting sucked up to heaven. But Enoch, we just don't know how God took him. Maybe he went home for lunch and didn't come back at one o'clock. Can you imagine? Maybe he was talking to a friend and a friend bent down to tie his shoe and he looked up. He's gone. Just like I was sitting there talking to Ruth, I turned over, turned around, she's gone. No one knows. But our imaginations sometimes can begin to turn and we wonder, well, how did it? It had to happen some way. He had to be doing something at some point in order for that to be interrupted. And God took him. Maybe he's mowing the lawn. Can you imagine the aftermath? What happened to Enoch? I don't know. He was out there mowing the lawn, but there goes the tractor. It's still going, but he's not on it. We don't know. Enoch. Maybe he never finished having his lunch. You know something? You'd never hear people say, Enoch, he ripped me off. You'd never hear that. No one would ever say that. You'd never hear people say he didn't pay his bill. You see, we don't know how Enoch left. But the Bible tells us what he left. Not how he left. But the Bible clearly tells us What? He left a walking, living, godly, holy, righteous legacy. He walked with God. He lived with God. He fellowshiped with God. He spoke with God. He communed with God. What a combination of words to write about someone. What a testimony. What a caption to define one's life. What a lasting tribute to leave behind. This man was a man that really lived close to the Lord. Better than leaving a great bank account. Better than someone saying he left such a great amount of money to the local charity. Or he left a lot of money for his family. No, no. This man had a powerful testimony. He walked with God. 
walked with him. What a combination of words. George Jones. I'm going back now to country and western. I don't like country and western music. Anyways, some of you like it. I'm sorry. He wrote a song titled, he sang a song, Who's Gonna Fill Those Shoes? Now, George Jones sang that song about country and western singers that have gone on and departed. And he mentions some names and he says, who's going to fill those shoes? Who's going to get to us like they could? Who's going to fill Enoch's shoes? Enoch's gone. He's gone to be with Jesus. Who's going to fill those shoes? Who's going to walk like he walked? Who's going to step up to the plate like he did? Who's going to be the leader like he was? Who is going to obey God like he did? Who's going to fight sin? Who's going to conquer sin like he did? There's no reason why any one of us or every one of us couldn't stand to our feet and say, I want to be that person. I want to walk with God like he did. I want to be the man of the Lord like he was. I want to fill those shoes. I want to talk like he talked. I want to pray like he prayed. I want to be that kind of a man. He motivates me. Every Wednesday morning at 7 o'clock, men at 7, we meet. And at the beginning of this year, we've been working our way through the devotional booklet entitled A Father's Legacy. It's all about the walk of faith. Very first lesson was entitled this way, Hunger for Legacy. Hunger for legacy. Text was Psalm chapter 57 and verse 2. But the psalmist said, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose in me. Not your purpose, not what you want to do, not your agenda, not what makes you always happy. But God, I want you to fulfill your purpose in my life. What do you want out of me? You got to have hunger. You gotta have thirst for righteousness if you're ever gonna be righteous someday. There's gotta be a hunger and a thirst. My goal in life is not just to leave behind a car legacy. I often talk to my wife about the things I have with four wheels in the yard and if something ever happens to me, I've given her clear directions. What to do? But I want to leave behind More than a car legacy. Oh, he loved cars. He loved to work on cars. And here was his last project that he was working on before he left us. No, no. That may be nice. But I'd rather hear people say, but he walked with God. That's the kind of legacy that I want to leave behind for my family. And for those that maybe were following behind me. He walked with the Lord. He spoke with God. He prayed to God. He had a devotion with him. He loved the Lord. He loved his word. He loved to preach. He loved to lead people to Jesus. Oh, he loved to have a... He was an example that others could follow. Conscious of being that kind of an example. Now, folks, this morning, preaching is, is great. I love preaching and I can't wait to preach every opportunity I get on Sunday mornings and like this morning, sitting in the first pew... Waiting, I can't wait to attack the pulpit. I can't wait to share, God, what you've laid upon my heart this week. And there's nothing, and it's wonderful to preach, and it's marvelous to be around Christians. 
great to have the fellowship and the congregational life. But I also need to rub shoulders with those in the marketplace. And more and more, God is impacting me with that truth. Mix with those in the marketplace. Mix with those that don't speak the same language as the congregation speaks. Mix with those because you need to shine your light there as well. God forbid that I ever bring disgrace to the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's your walk that people are watching. It's your walk that people are looking at. It's your walk that's going to lead people to Jesus or lead them away from Jesus. Enoch. Enoch was exceptional. Genesis chapter 5 opens this way. This is the written account of Adam's line. And if you look at that very very beginning chapter, over and over you'll read, this person became the father of. The father of this person. The father of that person. Father of this person. Over and over again. And that's basically it. Nothing else really is noted. It's kind of like a generational record. Until we get to Enoch. And when we get to Enoch, it's like the writer just could not blow by Enoch or pass by him without throwing in there that, oh, Enoch, he walked with God and God took him. God snatched him. If we are to look further into the life of Enoch, it would take us to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5, which is the faith chapter, the faith Verses there, and we read this about Enoch. It was commended as one who pleased God. He was commended as one who pleased the Lord. Oh, he knew the heart of God. He knew what God wanted before Moses and before the law even came down. You see, God has given all of us a knower. We all have a realization of what's right and what's wrong. God has given us that inner consciousness. And Enoch knew what was right. He knew what was wrong. In Jude verses 14 and 15, Enoch prophesied, See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone. Enoch knew there's coming a day when he's going to stand before God. There's coming a day when he's going to have to give an account. There's coming a day when the record books are going to be opened up. And someone's going to say to Enoch, Enoch, here's what you've done. Give an account for your life. Why did you say this? Why did you do this? Enoch said, I'm conscious of it. I'm aware of it. And I want to please God. I want to give my all to serve him. I want to walk with the Lord. He said to himself, I don't want to walk and live in an ungodly manner, but in a godly way. He said, I want to leave behind a testimony for others so that when they read about Enoch, they'll say there was a man that knew how to live for God. Also, this morning, we can look at Enoch and we can throw our hands up in utter despair and we can cry, impossible. How can I imitate Enoch? How could I ever live up to his his lifestyle and his ways with serving Jesus? Or we can say this, yes, Enoch was exceptional, but Enoch was just a man. 
Enoch was just a man like you, like me. And when I read that, I mean, I thought about that this morning, the sun coming up. The sun's been coming up for years. The sun came up on Enoch one day. It was just like any other day. Enoch lived upon this earth. Enoch was a man just like me. Yes, exceptional, but it gives me so much hope when I realize that he was flesh and blood just like me. Yes, we can be like Enoch in this new year. Did you know that it's never too late to be what you might have become? I'll say it again. When I first read it, I had to read it twice. It's never too late to be what you might have become. Never too late. Did you know that if you say, I can't do something, you're right? But did you know that if you say, I can do something, you're also right? Because what we do is we live to fulfill the words that we say. If you say, I'm a winner, guess what? You'll be a winner. If you say, I'm a loser, guess what? You'll live to fulfill that I'm going to be a loser. If you say, I can be like Enoch, you'll rise up to that and say, yes, yes, I can be. And you will be. You'll rise up to it. If you say, I never can be, you won't. I'm saying you can be. You can imitate and live the life of Enoch. Now, as we look at Enoch, maybe there's a couple of secrets here that we could reveal. What was the secret to Enoch's success with God? Why was God so pleased with him and and so pleased that he, he, he evaporated into thin air? He escaped the pains of death. Man, who wouldn't want to do that? It's like Billy Graham said one time, I don't fear death at all. I just don't look forward to the process of it. We don't like the pains of death, but what was his success? Let me bring to you out to you two things that I believe were successes. Why in Enoch's life? The first one is this. Enoch's walk had a beginning. <laughs> Pretty simple, isn't it? A very simple success. Very simple secret. Beginnings now are tough, aren't they? We all know what beginnings are like. They're rough. Beginnings mean work. It means effort. It means discipline. It means leaving things behind. Beginnings involve stretching and reaching and risk-taking and forgetting. Start a church. It's rough. It's tough. Start a business. It's rough. And it's tough. There's discipline. There's work. There's hours. Lots of effort put into it. Start a ministry. It's rough. And it's tough. My first church was 1983. It was rough. It was tough. Because I didn't know how a minister should act, feel, or do. I had no job description. All I had was preach the word. There's got to be more to it than that. And I remember getting to my first church and unloading the truck. And I sit on the chair in the kitchen and say, now how is the minister supposed to feel? I remember thinking it. Do you remember that? No. Something she's blocked from her mind at first church. Not me, though. But I wondered about it. It was rough. It was tough. I was a young pastor just trying to get my feet in the ministry. It was tough. Beginnings are always tough. No matter what it is. Marriages are tough. 
at the beginning. Tough sledding. It took me a couple of years to get my wife to see things my way. It was tough for her. I won't look because she could be giving me the eye right now. I got blinders on. I only see to the Lord. But it's, you know what? It's like the adjustment. It's tough sledding. Two people living separate lives being joined together. Wow. Someone said nothing kills love like marriage. Might be something to that, but that's not something we want to go down right now. That pathway. I'm just saying it's tough sledding at first because two people working together. Beginnings are always tough. They're not easy. Imagine how hard it was for Enoch to break away from the old. See, Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 says this. At 65 years of age, he had Methuselah. After this, he walked with God. That means for the first 65 years of his life, he probably didn't. He didn't walk with God. But here's the statement. Here's the the point in time. This was before. This is after. It's marked by when Methuselah was born. After that, he walked with God for 300 years. So imagine what it was like to break away from the old for, you know, 65 years of doing things one way. His walk had a beginning. He made a decision to change his life around. He made a decision to surrender his life to the ways of God. When I was young, we often would have races and we would have chalk and we could find some pavement or some cement. We'd we'd mark a line and say, this is the beginning line. We'd line up and we'd say, now I'm going to say go and we'd run. But there was a starting point somewhere. This is where you start. This is where you run from. And there's also a finishing point. This is where it's over. Let's start running. Start running. And every person who has a great testimony that they please God and walk with God had to start somewhere. Don't you think Billy Graham had to start somewhere? Don't you think someone that, that in the missionary field today that's given their life for Jesus, you don't hear of them, but they're making a great mark for the Lord. They started somewhere. And someday someone's going to say about them, they please God, they walk with God, they spoke about God, they preached God, they led many to Jesus. They all had a beginning. And it was all rough. And it was all tough sledding. And I'm saying this morning, you got to start somewhere. Zechariah 4 and verse 10 says, encourages us not to despise small beginnings. It's tough, but it's a line drawn in the sand. This is the first day of the rest of your life. You gotta sing like Hank. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm going on. I'm stretching. I'm reaching. I'm gonna be determined. Joshua said, as for me, me, my house, we've decided we're gonna serve God. Rough, tough, whatever it is, we're gonna serve the Lord. Serve God. Choose this day whom you're gonna serve. That was the secret, number one, to Enoch's success with the Lord. He made a Decision. Secondly, secret, because Enoch was determined that his life would continue. He made a decision that his, this walk with the Lord is going to continue. Genesis 5 and 22 says Enoch walked with God 300 years. And then it says this, and had other <coughs> sons and daughters. I know that Enoch did not have a problem with continuance. You know how I know? Because the Bible says he had other sons and daughters. How many know children have a way of keeping us calling on God? 
Children have a way of keeping us upon our knees and reaching God. You've got to help me through this. The terrible teens. Maybe it's the terrible twos. Have hope. They say after age 18, they come back and they realize how much wisdom you really have as parents. But I know that it continues. He can walk, continue with the Lord. There was filth back then. There was corruption back then. There was compromise back then. There was lust back then. There was temptation back then in Enoch's day. But Enoch continued what he began. In the good days and the bad days, Enoch put one foot ahead of the other. The more he walked, the closer he got to God. The closer he got to God, the more righteous and holy he became. The more righteous and holy he became, the more God used him. Until one day, he just walked so close to God that God just took him and he walked right into heaven. That's the secret. Enoch's walk had a beginning, but it had no ending. I love that that to be said about you. I love that to be said about my life someday. His walk had a beginning. But secondly, there was no ending. It continued. It continued. Two things I want to say to you when I close. Number one, do you need to begin a walk with God this morning? Do you need to begin? Maybe you've never opened up your heart and said, Jesus, come on in. In this brand new year, I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. Secondly, Do you need encouragement maybe this morning to continue that walk? Do you ever feel like throwing the towel in like the boxers do after they're beat up? It's over. Do you ever feel like doing that? Sure you do. Life for all of us has issues that are difficult. Tough sledding. Easy just to throw it in. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Let nothing sway you. Continue what you began. Paul would say, oh, don't quit the race. Fight the good fight. I did. I went home to be with Jesus. Where do you need your walk to God or walk with God to take you today? you need to continue? Before I close in prayer, Lorraine Hackensmith, would you come up? She's going to share a prophetic word that God gave her this past week as she was praying for this service this morning. Would you share that with the congregation? Hello? This is the word that God has for you today. My name is I am. I am the God of your salvation. I am the God of all love. I am the God of all strength. I am the God of all hope. I am the God of all comfort. I am the God of all joy. I am the God of all peace. I am the God of all goodness, patience, and kindness. When you surrender your life to me, you will produce fruit and you will follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in every part of your life. 
As you seek me in these days, I am, cause, I am causing my people to be very sensitive to my Holy Spirit. You will know my voice and hear me softly say, walk this way. This is the way. I am causing my people to be strong. When you stumble, you will not be dismayed. You will get up again strong and vibrant, willing to go on again. My child, you are a child of the king. You are princesses and princesses and a royal priesthood. Always remember that you are a child of the king and are never, never defeated. You are the head and not the tail. In these days, I am causing men and women and indeed children to rise up strong and mighty to do my kingdom's work. There is a great harvest coming and you must be ready. Do not be slack in your attitude toward me. Lukewarm is not pleasing to me. You are thinking, is it not easier to get from the lukewarm state to hot than from the cold state to hot? But I say to you, in the lukewarm state, you are comfortable and complacent. My child, desire, desire the fire of my Holy Spirit. My name is I am. I am the creator of your very being. Stand with me. 